in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. These brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Dustin Melbarnes, Lizzie Haynes, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome, all you lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable, where we watch movies and then talk about them. I'm your host, Dustin Melbardis, and joining me today are my friends. I have collected our love bugs for this classic tonight because it's Valentine's Day. Cue the Louis Armstrong. Let's say hi to Lizzie Haynes. Hi, everyone. Excited to be here. Talk about some rom-coms. Rom-coms. Hi, everyone. And where's my other little turtle dove? Where is he? He's around here somewhere. It's Chad Robinson. (laughs) I have never been called that my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, get used to it because it's Valentine's Day. Now, let's look at our our general warm-up questions here. What do I have? What is a movie where you first discovered an actor? No, we're not doing that. Sorry, Russell. Let's it's Valentine question switch up. All right, we'll start with you, Lizzie. What okay. is the most subtle gesture you have made for your loved one? The most subtle gesture I have made for my loved one. Gosh, okay. I was thinking originally it would be the reverse of something that he's done for me. The most subtle thing that I think I do for my loved one is Oh my gosh, guys. I've been thinking this whole time. I'm sorry. I've been thinking well, now, this whole time about like, what Aaron does for me. I haven't been thinking about <laughs> But tell me what Aaron does for you then. We all, we all know and love do. Aaron. Uh, Lizzie's I, I husband, Aaron. I sabotaged this question. I yeah. Lizzie okay, up. fine. Uh, what, what's okay. The su- what are the subtle things that Aaron does for you that you want to air out to the whole world forever? <laughs> okay, so what I... Well, Aaron, one of the many things that Aaron does for me, Aaron is very sweet. I, as I told Chad, he is a keeper. He does a lot of really amazing things for me. But I think the thing that means the most is that my love language is physical touch. I like to be loved and snuggled and rubbed. And he isn't a very big physical touch person by nature. Mm. Uh, but I also like to show my love through that as well. And when we're driving, he lets me rub the back of his neck while he drives the car and he traditionally doesn't actually like it that much. And he's admitted that to me, but he still lets me do it. And I love that he, that he allows me to rub his neck because there's something about the little rub that just makes me feel close. And there's passion and there's compassion. What a compassionate thing. That I don't like this, but you just go ahead and do that. <laughs> yeah. He lets me do that. And that's very, very sweet. There we go. Okay. Well, it was nice of you to share. Uh, Chad. <laughs> Uh, what is the most subtle gesture you've made for your loved one, Sarah? I'll do things when, uh, particularly when she has a, there's a week-long Bible camp. It's like a kid's vacation Bible camp. And she'll go and she takes off work and she spends her entire evening and days planning and working at this camp. So I will take off and just do everything from top to bottom of the house because it's my goal that once she's done with a long day, that she sets foot in the house and just thinks, there's nothing. There's nothing. I'm good. That's uh, so sweet. But I will tell you, failed subtle. So when we, <laughs> when we were dating, I decided 
that my proposal would come out of the blue. So I spent three to four solid months telling Sarah that I had no interest in marriage. Oh gosh, you Chandler banged her. It was the, I am a very stupid man. So I spent all this time feeding her, hey, we have no future. I'm not interested in being married to you, Um, which just for the surprise. So it, it was for a subtle surprise. She married a very stupid man. <laughs> Dastardly. He 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 was he was curling his snidely whiplash mustache as he was telling that story. Yeah, I, I proposed to her with a puzzle that she did upside down, and when she flipped it over, it said, I love you, beautiful, will you marry me? But because I'd set up this failing scenario, she immediately flipped the puzzle back over and I was left with <laughs> So what does that mean? I didn't see it. Yes, <laughs> this has gone south. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, sweet for Don't both do that. of you. <laughs> hey, all's well that ends well, they say. Yes. Uh, you know, well, I've had partners before. And uh, one, one thing that I did for uh, long ago with a girl I knew, uh, I, I made it a New Year's resolution of mine to always have a bouquet of flowers brought home either every week or every two weeks so that our kitchen table wouldn't be empty. And that was something that was an easy resolution Aww. and the most fun kind of resolution because you're doing it for somebody else. That is cool. I love that. Dustin, that's super, super sweet. I love that. I love those little gestures like that. I did for Aaron's, for our 10-year anniversary, I wrote him a little, like he, for our, I should give him the credit really, for our first wedding anniversary, it's like paper for the the years. And he right. wrote me out 365 little like love messages oh, so that my. I could pull one out the next day. And so for yeah. our 10-year anniversary, I recreated that and I wrote 365 little ones for him, like warm fuzzies. Little stuff. It's the little things. Definitely <laughs> thought you were about to say that you wrote thirty six hundred of them. <laughs> I I would panic. Like around one hundred, I'd be afraid. Oh no, I'm gonna run out. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a minute, but uh, but yeah, we had to get creative on some of them. Some of them are funny and small, and then some of them are big and grand. And it was it's fun. And isn't it nice for a holiday like this to share a little bit of our life with you, the listeners, and the people that we love? Well, hey, Lizzie, what's the last movie that you saw? I saw the new Wonka movie. I took my almost eight-year-old son, who will be eight tomorrow, so shout out to him, uh, took him to see the new Wonka movie. It was okay. I liked it. I wanted to love it. I did not love it. So that mm. part made me a little sad. But I mean, it, but it was cute. It was very cute for an eight-year-old. Do you hold the Gene Wilder version from, from very early on, the one that we all grew up do we? Do you hold that in such high regard that any of these new Wonkas kind? It seems like a, a losing battle every time to me. It I hold that so near and dear to my heart. I mean, nobody can come close to Gene Wilder, but and Timothy Chalamet certainly was better than Johnny Depp. We can give him that, but I think um, I don't but, even have to see the movie to know that. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, but it just it lacked it. Felt slightly forced. I think that's the, probably the best way that I'll put it. It wasn't quite as whimsical as as I would have liked it to have been. Do mm. we need a backstory of how eccentric chocolate maker became eccentric chocolate? Maker? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I never <laughs> once wondered that. Christopher Nolan presents Wonka. Blah. <laughs> <laughs> what is the last movie that you saw, Chad? So I. Uh, sometime in the year, and this struck me early in 2024, I will get a bug that says you need to go watch all the extended Lord of the Rings movies <laughs> back to back to back. And so that is how I spent the last 11, 12 hours. 
I just finished up nice. Return of the King, the four hour and like 20 some minute version right before this podcast. Whoa. Oh, my friend, you bow to no one. <laughs> right before the recording? I, it was a panic. I, I ignored my daughter and my wife, so I'm failing the Valentine's Day. I said, I've got to... Like, I, I'm sorry I'm neglecting both of you. I have to finish Return of the King Extended Edition. And you know what's great is that they they, they must understand because they it's did. you. They, I mean, Sarah just looked and she's like, yeah, it happens. Looks so, like meat's back on the menu, boys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite line, because that presumes that Orakai know what a menu is. Yes. Well, they're, they're <laughs> half men, so they I guess they came with the knowledge of Maybe, Either that, or there's know. a cafeteria, you know, right. underneath the, yeah. uh, <laughs> or think, or whatever. Yeah. The name. There the was a co- Starbucks in Westeros, after all, so you <laughs> never know. Yeah, that's the right. Commissary. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, commissary. But last movie I saw, and uh, I, I caught this uh, on accident. Lamb is actually pretty recent. I don't watch recent mm-hmm. movies. Okay. Lamb. That is the movie you may have seen, uh, where you've got a little lamb child being raised by a couple in Iceland. I don't know if you guys have seen any trailers for this. No. no. It is uh, creepy to just view the trailer. It is unsettling. And the person that I watched it with said it was the worst movie they'd ever seen. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not here really to clown on it. It it was something for like for just, just the spectacle of what you're seeing. And uh, it's, it is an hour and a half of being on edge because when you see a little little lamb person in the world you're, you're just completely what is going to happen and uh so the movie does give you a payoff there uh so lamb i think that was 2023 lamb. Okay. I, I, I kind of want to do a podcast where we just anti-dealers choice we pick the worst movies we've ever seen Ooh. Ooh. i would definitely be lady in the water by uh m night Shyamalan. <laughs> oh i i i can show you worse I can show you so much worse. I can show you worse. What a what a lovely motto <laughs> for our show. Well, hey, we are going to cover a movie tonight. And Chad, what are we covering? We are covering 1989's When Harry Met Sally. That's right. Starring Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan, Carrie Fisher, and Bruno Kirby. A budget of $16 million, And man, did it make $92 million, relying on word of mouth to get around. And people talked about this one. Uh, placing it 11th in the box office that year, uh, just behind Dead Poet Society and just ahead of The War of the Roses. The number one movie that year, Batman. Incredible. It's a similar movie. (laughs) Similar, uh, with a wonderful soundtrack. Uh, Our IMDb rating for When Harry Met Sally is 7.7. Our Rotten Tomatoes scores are pretty high. Critics give it a 91%. Audience score is 89%. Uh, now, we know it got nominated for an Academy Award, uh, which is best screenplay written directly for the screen, nominated for a bunch, um, and it has landed on our AFI lists, number 23 in our 100 Laughs, uh, number 25 in our 100 Passions. That's pretty great to be top 25 of both. Uh, and then also uh, some very high with, with some songs from it. Thank you, Harry Connick, with It Had to Be You. 100 movie quotes it's got the the customer in a scene saying i don't have what she's having which uh, i think has is greater than people that have seen this movie people know that quote more so than if they've actually seen when harry met sally and then on that afi top 10 romantic comedies number six i think it'd be hard to kind of beat whatever we got going on here 
So Lizzie, I'll start with you. Have you seen When Harry Met Sally before? Yes, I saw it in college. It was my first watch. I ended up watching it, actually. I worked at the front desk at a gym, and it was a very quiet job, so there was lots and lots of free time. And so I watched this on Netflix for the very first time when I was in college, and I absolutely loved it. And I'm so thankful that I waited until I was a young adult to watch it because I think this movie is so brilliant, but I think you really have to know what it is like to be in an adult relationship or at least have experienced some adult life in order to appreciate not only the humor, but also the philosophy of the movie itself. And I, it just, I hold this movie so near and dear to my heart. It's so funny and sweet. And I, like most movies, I watch it on the treadmill this time and (laughs) it was just as delicious as the first time I watched it. So you watch this movie when you're working at a gym or when you are doing things in the gym. That's right. I didn't even think really make that make that tie, but yes, correct. What's your gym playlist, Harry Connick Jr. I mean, that's <laughs> really helps me break a sweat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I see. Well, when, have you revisited this movie before we revisited it for tonight? Many times, yes. I've probably this was probably like the tenth or eleventh time I've seen this movie. Many times. Oh wow. Well, what about you, Chad? Uh, was this your your first foray, or were you working a desk job and you said it's when Harry met Sally time? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I was not. This is a movie. It's one I've never seen start to finish. I have seen bits and pieces of it uh, throughout the years, but it's just something. And it came up. Jerry Maguire was another one. So my wife has been having a field day of these are movies that she loves, and it's very rare that she sees movies that I don't. But Jerry Maguire and when Harry met Sally, she, she said, how have you not seen these? We're doing this. And boom, boom, watch both of those in the last week. I, I enjoyed it. I, it's something I agree with Lizzie. I'm glad I was an adult in an adult relationship. I think had I seen this when I was a teenager, it'd be okay. But it really, right. it wouldn't be nearly as memorable. Yeah. I, and I, it, it is rated R and it's almost, it's almost so worthy of that R so that it's like, Hey, know your way around life a little bit before you see a movie like this. Yeah. Um, so was it recent that you did this back to back with, with Jerry Maguire or was that a while ago? That was within the last week. Yes. Oh, wow. So, wow. But my wife has had a good week of movie viewing for a long time. There's always a battle of, you want to watch someone get murdered? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> And that's really hard to find in a romantic comedy. Uh, well, uh, it is 1989. You feel like it holds up? For the most part, yeah. I I think the overall themes, I feel like the men, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, that whole thing was much bigger in the late 80s, early 90s. So there's a lot more of that dynamic than perhaps modern day. But yeah, I think the overall themes and comedy holds up just fine. I would agree that it holds up, and maybe I would go with more than just fine. This was actually the first time I had ever seen it, and it wasn't just like partial viewings. I was aware of it, but I had never watched it, and uh, this was a a joy uh, to get introduced to me uh, right around this time of year. Um, I was expecting witty banter, and I was expecting uh, Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan to really play off each other, which I think we get a lot Um, in Masterclass, you might say, or at least that's that's what I would say. This particular love story 
maybe unlike things that I've ever seen since, or I've seen deviations or derivations of something like it uh, for uh, throughout television and throughout movies. But uh, you, you can see why this one has such uh, the reputation that it has. Um, and I did enjoy it. And we are going to talk more about When Harry Met Sally because it's Valentine's Day. We want to talk about our love story. And uh, that's going to come after this quick ad break. And we'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason, and this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening. And we are back. And it's time for us to talk about 1989's when Harry Met Sally, but we can't do it until Chad gives us a plot summary. So, dear audience, if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it right now. Pause this podcast and come back because it's time for Chad to tell us all about this movie. Harry Burns and Sally Albright graduate from college and both Harry and Sally need to go to New York City. So Sally offers Harry a ride. They have a long discussion about relationships and Harry declares that men and women cannot be friends. The sex part gets in the way. Sally drops Harry off and the two part, likely never to see each other again. However, over the next 10 years, they run into each other a few times, but they're in and out of relationships. Sally asks Harry to coffee, and they do develop a friendship. Sally's ex-boyfriend is getting married, and Harry goes to comfort Sally, but ends up sleeping with her, as you do. This backfires, and the two have an argument, and Sally feels like they can't be friends anymore. She attends a New Year's party alone until Harry appears and declares his love for her. Sally is reluctant to believe Harry until he gives her a long list of things he loves about her, including the really annoying things. They marry three months later and tell their story as a list of successful marriages through an interview. Yes, and they end up on the couch telling their story too, Uh, which throughout our movie we get those little vignettes of those couples talking about how they met. Each one so different. Yes. Each one so sweet. And we have this 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 entire story here uh, told to us in ninety seven minutes, which is just so incredibly wonderful. About how to- <laughs> <laughs> I'm so on board with that. Yes. <laughs> yes, I was really on board with it. I think this movie deserves its place in its top comedies and top romances. At least it does for me. Uh, and whether we think so or not, I think this movie's become a classic in our audience's hearts. So, uh, Chad, I'll start with you. What do you think is most memorable about this movie or about this love story? I think it's the premise of it's all on the linchpin of men and women can't be friends. That is the hook of this movie. And then they feed you this friendship. And like, okay, how is this not going to work out as a friendship? But I will say this. It's it's not like most rom-coms where there's something really contrived in the middle that they just suddenly have this big misunderstanding 
and they part ways only to reconcile in the end. Like what's driving them apart is just their own neuroses. They're they're in each other's or in their own way. And so that to me was refreshing versus, oh, you you read an email from someone that's not actually you know, some some excuse for them to just unreasonably blow up and walk away from each other. What a what a great sort of premise there, which is we do have a lot of movies where there is the by chance or by something unexplained or just bad luck, something relatively minor, uh, a a a temporary problem creates the huge rift in the conflict between our primaries. And in this case, we actually have the question that has been on our audience's mind between their mind uh, for an hour that is what ends up being the driving spike between their friendship so we get that kind of payoff lizzie i want to ask you that the same thing here is uh, aside from that th this sort of ultimate foreshadowing which is that we ask the question and then we give it and let's face it the trailer has them lying in bed together so we know what's going to happen but uh, what is memorable about this movie or, or love story? I think it just feels so realistic, I think, to Chad's point. But to kind of build off of that, it's it, I've, I've used it before, like that slice of life aspect that really, really feels there. Like you're just seeing these two people interact together in these very realistic situations. Like they're having conversations while they're unrolling a rug on an, on uh, out their apartment and trying to turn it around to figure out where it looks best or they're having lunch at a diner. It's like every single situation you know, isn't particularly glamorous. It's just very real. And then I think that Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan are just complete dynamite together. Like they bring so much charm to each of their roles where alone they're both amazing. And then you put them together and it is just really, really, truly something special. And I, it's really hard to truly compare any other movie to it. And it's just, I hold it in such high esteem because of their performances. They're amazing. Let's look at Sally in particular. Uh, we, it's not about Sally being responsive to Billy Crystal's quick wit, which is very quick and very That's good. Uh, she is funny in her own right, but she's also a special type of character. Harry says it best because they're sitting in bed on separate beds. They're calling each other Casablanca's on and they're chatting while it's on and they're talking about Ingrid Berman and how she's low maintenance. And she's like, well, who wants somebody low maintenance? He's like, well, or no, no. He's like, she's too high maintenance. That's what it is. And she's like, well, what's wrong with high maintenance? Like there's nothing wrong with high maintenance. And he was like, listen, you're the worst kind. You're <laughs> high maintenance, but you think you're low maintenance. <laughs> and mm -hmm. She's like, no, I'm not. And then he reads back to her like a salad order that she's made at one point because that's one kind of joke, running joke throughout the entire movie is that every single time that she orders something, there's this very, very, it's not just I'll have the sandwich with no tomato. She's like, I'll have the sandwich with, you know, no tomato. And then I want the apple pie a la mode. And then I want the ice cream on the side. And then I want the whipped cream on top. But only if it's, uh, only if it's fresh, right. if it's out of a can, then nothing. You know, she's just like very meticulous about everything. And she just wants what she wants. And I, yet she does it in this way where she wants what she wants, but she's not arrogant about it. And so that allows you to find her so very charming. There's a humility to her 
and an awkwardness to her that allows you to forgive the neuroses a little bit. Chad, do you think high-maintenance women need to be forgiven? The high-maintenance can seem like it has a negative connotation, but when you phrase it the way Lizzie just did with the, hey, she wants what she wants, and she's not afraid to ask for it, uh, is, is there something sort of about Sally here that you're like, oh, this is refreshing to see? Oh, man, you're just going to make me step on a minefield. But I was a waiter forever, and the people that did that to me just tormented me. Male, female, whomever, just tormented me. People would, with the ice cubes or how many lemon wedges or whatever it was. So I die a little inside when somebody <laughs> does that. But if I'm dining with someone and they start dictating to the waiter or waitress how things are going to go, I'm like, I just want to... Slip in a card that says, please don't spit in my food. <laughs> it's, it's their food. Please spit in their food. But, you know, the different strokes for different folks. I, I gravitate towards low maintenance, but a lot of my friends married high maintenance people. So it's just, it's whatever works for you. What was interesting with Sally, though, she reacts to Harry. I, I compare it to like a grade school kid that's pulling his crush's pigtails. Like he just, yeah, kinda, yeah he, he treats her terribly and she's not interested in him really until this moment of vulnerability. And if he's going to continue this schoolyard act, she's really not having it. And I do appreciate that of basically grow up a little face your feelings and actually come out and say what you've been trying to say for years instead of this you know, pull your pigtail and laugh at me tell me you love me mm. so that, yeah. that was a good moment of growth now i wonder and lizzie i'm going to give you two paths to take here i, I wonder here um, uh chad had, chad had mentioned that she really wasn't into it until this moment of vulnerability and i'm not sure i agree with that i think that attraction was there before that we'll call it the moment of vulnerability uh, when when she learns that Joe is getting married and she calls him late night. Uh, so I, I want I want to bring that up a bit, but also with the high maintenance thing, high maintenance woman does that factor at all with her decision not to sleep with who she dates in her sort of post breakup period? I think that honestly, and to answer that question, it's probably a contextual thing. Like context would be key on the person. But I think that there is something to be said about the association between high maintenance and having high standards. And so I think in hmm. that way, if you're looking at it, at those two things as parallels, you know, she's not looking for, you know, just a quick lay. She's looking for a partner and somebody to be in love with. And I think she's smart enough to know that if she goes out and she, if she wants to just, she, if she wants to take somebody to bed, she could probably find that, but that's not what she wants. And so therefore she knows, like she, she knows how to act in order to get what she wants and kind of yield that result. And I actually really love that scene where she's fighting with Harry, where they're outside of their friend's new apartment together. And he's getting mad at her almost, but he's like, you know, you never, I never see you get upset about Joe. Here you never go. let that back up on you. And she's like, why, you know, she's like, Harry, you're going to have to move to New Jersey because you've slept with everyone in New York. And I don't <laughs> see that making, turning Helen into a faint memory for you. You know, she really throws that back at him that 
the, you know, being promiscuous and it does not equal that you're over your ex. And so, um, I, I would say that there's probably definitely a correlation between being high maintenance and, and her really waiting after Joe. Um, I think there's something interesting there, which is with, with high maintenance, I might also put a, a similar like Venn diagram quality of someone mm -hmm. who, would get upset or someone who would raise their voice or who was prone to letting their emotions get to best of them. But really she's, she's pretty collected. She is. Yeah. Way she's more very, than our Harry. Very poised. And I would agree with you. Actually, I would argue that I think that their initial meet cute was, you know, she's, he's going with her friend, Amanda. And so she's not interested in doing anything. And he is definitely provoking her and kind of poking and prodding at her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when he's like, Hey, you want to go get a room? You see what I did? I didn't let it lie. You know, that, that thing, I think he's in that moment, she is completely disinterested. But I do think that once her and Joe break up and they form a friendship, I think that there's probably a door there that she's left open for Harry. And she's just kind of subtly waiting for him to walk through it. And then when – I don't think that she called Harry with the intention of sleeping with him that night. Right. But I think it happened because of the fact that she's always had that kind of in the back of her mind that if he was willing, then she would be up for it too. See, I, I think I'm drawing on personal experience. but And this is a bad example for the argument I want to present. But men and women can be friends. But my wife and I were friends. We were friends from seventh grade all the way until 20 we were friends and she had no interest in me zero she actually no told me, interest she's told you she turned you wouldn't me down. see that if she didn't tell you i bet she yes she turned me down actually what? but one night something changed and i i actually told you guys before the podcast the story i won't bore people here but i almost got punched in the face protecting her as a friend, and then she looked at me very, very differently. So mm. I, I think Aww. Sally could go through that same thing of, here's someone I can go to the movies with, I can hang out with, I can even have dinner with, and I don't have to sleep with. I don't have to have any of that other burden, and then something changes. Yeah. But I'm dragging in personal bias to this. Oh, hey, well, um, so here, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he teased that story. You'll have to tune in next year uh, to Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, it's a doozy. I have my own bias with that as well. Aaron and I were friends too. When we, um, before we, we were friends in high school. We did not date in high school. To the Harry's rule point, he always had a girlfriend. And so, you know, Harry's amendment to his role is like, you know, if you have significant others, then it takes that off of the table. He always, he was a very, um, very popular guy in, oh. in high school. So we, but we were always super, super good friends and we hadn't seen each other in like a year and we saw each other. And like, I give the glory to God. Cause I think it was like, it, we just both saw each other in a very different way. And, um, but we, like, we could not stay friends. Like, it was impossible. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then once that happened, we very quickly, like, we were engaged like a year later. It all happened very fast. And that was 13 years ago. Wow. Yeah, I saw a couple of girls a year later. <laughs> I, remember, I remember what that was like. Well, you know, it, you, it gets back to with our instigator, with, with Harry. And uh, you, you both brought it up 
without me asking it, but it is an important question, the, the thought experiment, right? Can men and women still be friends? And that is where we have our derivations that have come over the last you know, 35 years, is, is, these, is, is the act of sex. Is that going to be what makes it hard? And this movie shows you only in the last 25 minutes. We have to, we have to squeeze that in, what the, the fallout of that can be. Uh, but with, with Harry's instigation and with his uh, almost throw caution to the wind, would you consider it, Chad, more immature to believe that it cannot be true? Like with maturity comes the ability that that can be true, that men and women can be friends? Yeah, I, I would question, so I'd put it at stages. I think it would be very difficult to be best friends with somebody, share that type of a relationship. I think I'm on board with that idea. I think it would be incredibly difficult for me to have a female best friend. Hmm. But I, I phrased it this way to my wife, that when you were with somebody, I took that, it's almost like a potential attraction, and just put it in a little box and put it away. Of You're someone I could potentially be attracted to, but you are off limits. It's, it's just, we're going to hang out, we're going to be friends, and there's going to be nothing there. When she was available, you take the box out a little bit. It's like, okay. But I, I remember might... this from physics class. Yeah. Potential kinetic yeah. <laughs> energy. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. But I've had female friends that I've had no attraction to, and I guarantee you they've had zero attraction to me. And we oh, don't we, sell yourself so short there, Chad. Oh, oh, I, we could take polls and that's fine. We've been friends. It's just one of those things where I think there are levels. There's no way you can share the type of intimacy that they were sharing, calling each other every night, getting to know that kind of personal feelings. That's when the danger comes of, okay, this is going to lead to something else. Gosh, and he says it in that last quote, which we all know and we all love now. But the, the, the idea that like you're the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep. I've, I've been in relationships like that. And I have, I have felt that way. And that is a special thing, uh, more special than how nice a date might be, or to use our, uh, our Bruno Kirby characters, like, yeah, I think restaurants are overrated or, or getting too important, is that it's not about the dates, it's about the, the, the small things, the little things that can be shared. And uh, we, we led the show off with some of the things that we share. But uh, I think we see this intimacy growing during the friendship stage. But Lizzie, I wanted to kick it over to you. We see several stages throughout this movie. If you were told this love story happens over 12 years, what would your expectation be for this? Like, oh, wow, that's a slow burn. Is that slow burn something that you dig in a romantic movie? Or are you more of like the, ooh, I kind of like the lightning quick uh, strike of like love at first sight? I actually really like the way that this movie is done because there's... By the time, you know, even at their end interview when they're talking about, you, they're, you know, giving you the quick Cliff's notes of the movie. And then it cuts to them on the couch. And they're like, three months later, we were married. And the reason why they were married so quickly is because they had spent all of this time. So normally, like the normal formula is you meet, you have love at first sight, and then you date for a couple of years, and then you get married. But for them, they spent all this time growing a bond and a friendship, and then they get married. And I think, uh, and this is speaking from my personal experience and from watching this movie, I think that a 
friendship is a really beautiful prelude to a relationship because when you have that friendship as a foundation, there's just like so much love and respect and admiration for each other as friends that you just can build off of. And I think that that aspect of to your point, Dustin, of you're the last person that I want to talk to before I go to sleep, like that truly is indicative of not just somebody that you love, but somebody that you genuinely just want to be with all the time. And um, and a closeness that I can can really only come if you like truly, truly are friends with the person. So I I love this. It's a slow burn, but there's a bigger payoff. Can you I want to hear your answer for the the can men and women be friends? Because I feel like they kind of split it where the men are clearly supposed to say, no, we want to sleep with you. When the women, <laughs> women are clearly supposed to say, yes, we have zero interest. We just want to hang out. Yeah. So you were saying with Sarah earlier that you guys were friends for a really long time to make your point that men and women can be friends. But in the very beginning, you said that she turned you down. So I think that like you were there. She wasn't there, but you were. So like that in and of itself probably ruined your friendship for some time. Well, no. It's, so she turned me down after eight years of friendship. Ah, okay, okay. And then she changed her mind after three months of not having the attention of got we were, it we were still friends i was traumatized i said please don't let mm. this ruin our friendship i truly Aww. value it i don't want to blow it and then it was in a combination where she saw me as a potential protector and somebody that cared about her really that way. Sweet. i think some of it was all right he's he's gonna move on from me <laughs> yeah 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 you, you, you realize at that moment that's yeah. really sweet. But, I, but yes, I do understand. I undermine my own point, but I don't want to bring in other. <laughs> I, I do have several other female friends that yes. there's, there's no attraction to and there's no, it's just, you're a cool person. I enjoy talking to you. Yes. respect for my wife. I'm not going to call them up and say, hey, let's go to a movie together. But <laughs> when I was single, I, yeah, I have, I have uh, guy friends now that like, where, you know, like Aaron, we're all friends with each other. Like the husbands are friends with the husbands and the wives with the wives. And I have a great friendship with those husbands, but it's much more on a, like a level one friendship, if you will. It's kind of to your point. Like I would never hang out with them without my husband or their wife present. Um, but I, I think when I was single, I did have really close friendships for sure. And so I think but I, I also think that I like the way that you put it, where I do think that it is possible for men and women to be friends, uh, but I don't think that it's possible for a man and a woman to be that close. I think when you bring in yeah. that closeness, you said it really perfectly because then you start getting into this territory of intimacy. And then once you, if you, like, if you are getting vulnerable with somebody in that way, like it, if you're getting naked in one way with somebody, like it's only a matter of time before, mm-hmm. before, yeah, like, yeah. before like the literal sense is happening just because you're sharing so much of yourself with someone. And so you, it's just, you're there. Um, yeah. And my marriage is pretty much a like living proof of that. So um, I, I think what you said was perfect. And there is the risk and there is the fear of, if I make this step, it might end in rejection. Mm-hmm. Yep. And how much will I lose? 
by taking this step. And mm-hmm. uh, Chad, bravo for your bravery, even yes, though the, the curve, like it, it was not a straight shot toward love. Well, her but, best friend assured me, she gave me 100% that she would say yes, I was uh-oh. betrayed. <laughs> oh no <laughs> well, well it makes me it makes me turn my attention back to harry now who is not just an instigator maybe it's because it's billy crystal that we don't see him as let's just say a uh, a ryan gosling hunk or we don't see him as a making his way through women kind of guy the way they are portrayed today is that your guy is that ryan gosling i just think that's an interesting like <laughs> Uh, Ryan Gosling is the character from Crazy Stupid Love that was that. Okay. Yes. That's why I chose him. All of us have a guy. Like, I would go to Chris Hemsworth. You went to Ryan Gosling. I went for the role, but I I think there are a lot of attractive men out there. I'm going to go with Bruno Kirby's my guy. Anyway. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, what what I'm getting at, though, is... He he could uh, pull Carrie Fisher. Boy, wasn't that a match made in heaven? (laughs) <laughs> Let's take a quick sidebar to that. Chad, that, that scene, the double date that turns out with the switched objects of the attention. Um, how sweet was that to see? Do you have any experience with this kind of kind of thing in, in your life or your dating of like, hey, you know, setting people up and then seeing who naturally fits together? I do. And I felt myself in their conversation, Billy Crystal's conversation with, I can't, Mar- Mary or Marie. Yeah, Marie. Where they... They point out, hey, you're both from New Jersey, and they ask which part, <laughs> and they both answer, and then there's dead quiet. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this this is me in a conversation. This is how <laughs> my conversations with people I haven't built a rapport with, that's how they all go. And I've told people, you don't leave an initial conversation with me <laughs> feeling awkward. We failed. We haven't. <laughs> so, but yeah, I have been a part of a double date where you almost want to switch. Like, can I please have your girl? You can take mine of we are not hitting it off you're not hitting it off can we just try something different here it never went that way it just kind of dissolved altogether if we just all agreed this is a disaster (laughs) not continue well isn't it always how that goes though isn't it always how that question goes oh you're from the same place people people do that with texas all the time tell you what nowhere in texas is near any other place in texas but right but down here (laughs) if i bring up that i'm from tennessee they'll be like Oh yeah, my my friend is from Jackson. Yep, that's and better I than. <laughs> yeah, you have no idea how many times West Virginia been a state <laughs> since 1863. Everyone tells me, "Oh, I have someone that lives in Richmond." I'm like, "Great, no way." You know, okay. <laughs> Beijing is in China. If we're just yeah. saying unrelated facts, <laughs> right? Right. I saw a turtle the other day. Right. Um, <laughs> So, so uh, perhaps maybe the most unrealistic thing about this movie is that in a city like New York City that they run into each other as many times as they do. Uh, but yes. that's a side point. Uh, what I was getting at was the we have these moments during the dinner, Lizzie. We have these moments where they are looking at one another. And we are still in friendship phase. But you saw those looks. And mm-hmm. credit to our cinematographer and our director. You saw those looks. You know how, like, it, it's it's... It, what, what a way to tap into the way that whether it's with your closest friends or with your partners, how it's like, oh, I, I see what's going on here. Uh, talk yeah. about your slice of life. Wasn't That was so true to form, wasn't it? That, uh, yes, absolutely. And like you can see the breadcrumbs being laid that 
Sally in particular is not 100% comfortable with the idea of Harry bonding with someone. And then there's another scene mm. somewhat like it later yeah, on see. where um, Marie and um, Jess. Jess, thank you. Where Marie and Jess are having, they're hosting a game night at their apartment. Mm -hmm. And by this time, Harry now has a new girlfriend and Sally has a boyfriend. And everything seems to be fine. Everybody seems really happy. And both of them cannot help but critique the other's significant mm -hmm. other. You know, like one of them's a baker, the Harry's girlfriend's a baker. And she's like, you know, Harry doesn't even like sweets. And she's a little young, isn't she? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, you can see that in, at the time, I think if you had accused either one of them of being jealous, I think that they would adamantly deny it and probably really feel in their heart that that was the truth, that they were not jealous. Because I think even though Sally's like her, like I said before, her, like the door was open for Harry. I think she also had this, this wall up with him simultaneously because she was so afraid of taking that first step with him mm. that she almost put herself, she stood in her own way and put herself in a position of like, I'm afraid that if I go there, you're going to turn me down. So I'm going to intentionally push you away in that regard so that I never even get the opportunity to put my feelings out there and get rejected. And I think that's, that's where she was at that point. And then when she was truly vulnerable with Joe, I think is when that wall got torn down and the door was open for Harry to walk through. How important is it that we know that whether the woman is attractive or unattractive, that Harry is still going to take her to bed, which was a funny joke and is what yes. he said. <laughs> and then he asked the question, how long? 30 seconds? Like oh, an yeah, hour? Oh, yeah, to hold that part so bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's like... He's do men really think that? And he's like, yes. Men really yeah. But he's also a, a particularly type of an aggressive antagonist. And it is, as we know, uh, like you mentioned Chandler Bing earlier, but you know, our, we have a lot of men who are like, let comedy take away, like build the wall or prevent them from getting hurt. Uh, you could say that our Harry here is so quick with the trigger with, uh, you know, with, with one thing and with his jokes that uh, he he almost is eliminating the risk because he's putting all of that up front first mm -hmm. to say, well, what do I have to lose here? And nothing, because he's he's been this way the whole time. Um, and it's not until we get into this friendship portion that we see the the soft, gooey center of what a great friend he can be uh, yeah. for, through that phase of the movie. Uh, but how important is it, uh, Chad, I'll ask you this, how important is it that Sally ends up in that exact situation, that that is, is it? It's the situation of he leaves and he goes home as opposed to just sex happened. Mm. She finds herself in the place of the other girls that he, she had heard about. Yeah. The exact same place. Yep. yep. <laughs> the awkward cuddling and everything where he's just staring, staring into space. Staring into space, yeah. Yeah. You want to watch a movie? No? Unless right. you want to. Yeah. Yeah, there's... I think there's pretty quick realization of what this just changed everything. What have I done? And she's unable to corral Harry. Like Harry's, Harry's not willing, whether it's shock or whatever, to tear down those walls. As you mentioned, he's, he's building even higher. Like he is doubling mm. down on the negativity. 
he is doubling down on just boorish behavior, to be honest. And <laughs> she's like, I want you to tell me that you feel things. And he is just, yes. you, you are the next trophy. You are, you are on that wall. But we're still friends, right? It's just, yeah, I feel bad for her in that. I, I feel like Harry didn't earn the payoff at New Year's. Like, it's unfair to me. Now, that is an interesting comment. Is that I would I would generally agree that he didn't earn it. Sometimes it's the friends in the movie, the best friends, the Bruno Kirby's and the Carrie Fishers that have our primaries realize what they have. We don't really have that that much. We get the very fun telephone call scene after yes. they do it. Yes, uh, we we, ha we have a, a very fun telephone scene where they're both on the phone in bed talking to them in separate places. Um, but they're they're both just like understanding and being good friends. It is not any of the grab by the shirt collar. You got to go after her, right? There, there, there isn't anything there. Um, in the end, the interesting way you put it, I don't know if he earned that in the end. And in the end, she didn't say I love you. She said I hate you. Right. But that that's where I believe that these small habits that came up during the intimate friendship mm -hmm. is what really led them to uh to get together in the end now lizzie i'll ask you this i've seen so many movies with the slow burn formula recently and i'll mention from last year blue is the warmest color talk about the slowest burn <laughs> imaginable three hours <laughs> in <laughs> french uh, <laughs> <laughs> bleu. so oh, God. We, so we have movies now and it's artistic when you know what they don't end up together mm -hmm. so unsatisfying how is this payoff satisfying to you lizzie okay so i actually think he did earn the the, the new years at the end yes, because tell us i about think it. what what all sally really wanted was for him to just be open and honest and and love show that he loves her. I think that Harry, Sally knew Okay, I'm going to give you a real life experience that I don't know if Aaron would is going to love that I'm sharing, but I'm going to share it. And um but I I did everything first in our relationship. I asked him out first. I initiated wow. like being like serious first and I told him that I loved him first. The only thing that Aaron mm -hmm. did before me was propose. Uh but I told Aaron, I told Aaron that I loved him and he, um, and the story of how it was for a completely different it's day, a risk, though. Huh. He, a big, big risk. Mm -hmm. And he did not say it back. Ladies and gentlemen listening. He did not say it back. He told me that he was crazy about me. He really, really cared about me. He loved spending time with me, but I had never said it to anybody before. He was my first person I'd ever said it to, but oh. he had said, he had said it before to many like other people because again he was popular in high school remember and um and <laughs> it never ended up working out and he was like i'm just afraid if like i don't want to rush this and it's like okay okay so and then about two or three months later he ended up saying it to me and it was like this very sweet and dramatic moment and he cried and it was so sweet it was lovely and um he but i say that is to say in that delta of time. All I really wanted was I knew that he loved me. I could feel it in the way that he treated me and in the way that he looked at me and just it was like this tangible emotion that just was like an energy between us. Like I knew that he loved me. I didn't need to hear the words for me to feel that confidence, but I did 
want him to get there on his own. It was like he needed to figure it out. Like I knew that he loved me before he knew that he loved me. If you, if you catch my drift. And I, I think that, that is what Sally wanted. Like she knows that Harry is in love with her. Like they've spent this night together. There, there's so much love between the two of them. And you have to imagine that that probably was a relatively passionate moment between the two of them. And She's like, you know, I am not your consolation prize. Like, I know that you love me. Like, I know that I'm not alone on this island feeling this way after we spent the night together. But if you're not going to get out of your own way, like, I can't do anything for you. And so I think all she really wanted from him was for him to admit it to himself and then come and admit it to her. And I think even though it wasn't this, like, big grand gesture, I think it – he – he he delivered. He completed the assignment, and I think uh, hmm. that's that's my my take. It wasn't Sometimes super big and lady, grand, but I think it's most of the time uh, with with uh, our heterosexual rom coms. Sometimes our lady is waiting for the man to grow up, mm-hmm. um, and, and and in this case, we do have our jokester Billy Crystal with our Harry. Um, he's kind of you could say that he's assumed this grown up, no strings attached mindset for so long that now we're looking for Harry to be grounded and not to grow up just to be grounded a bit and understand the special thing that you have what a great thing you said about the consolation prize is uh it reminded me that in it both of our primaries here have been hurt and and Chad I wanted to bring this up do you think this movie is different if it's just two people who happen to be in the same social circles or did we need them both to be hurt in order for this particular story to have the weight that it does. I think we need them to be hurt. Mm-hmm. This is all based off of Rob Reiner had gone through a divorce. He's basing Harry on both conversations he had with Billy Crystal. Like that's the guy they were actually the ones calling each other and watching TV every night. So it's not a rom-com. It's a romance yeah. that she's got right. going on there. And so this is, this is his depression going through that. And seeing each other hurt leaves this it helps us understand i think it helps us along with harry of realizing he's putting up these walls he's being a jerk and even when he's trying to get his friend back he's doing stupid stuff like singing karaoke from oklahoma rather than telling her how how he really feels he's Mm -hmm. willing to debase himself that way but to lizzie's point He's not willing to say, I love you. Had he said, I love you on the call, maybe she picks up instead of just weirdly stalking her. And the same point uh-huh. of she, she's not interested. She's desiring this huge, this commitment. You see it with Joe. When Joe's getting married, it just shakes up her whole world of, okay, they're committing to somebody. They're getting this relationship. My friend is getting this relationship. That's what I want for my life. And she just has this idiot <laughs> following her around, insulting <laughs> her, and just trying to bet everyone. Okay, please grow up. Please tell me you love me. It might be a little dated. This might be something that doesn't quite hold up. I, I believe it still exists in uh in our culture but maybe maybe not quite the same she also believes she's up against the clock mm-hmm. believe doesn't have that much time left 
And that, that is, that is one of the things that contributes to one, her vulnerable state, but, but two, what, what they both collectively call the mistake. Yeah. She is 26 in this movie. So it's, it's one of those things you, she ends up 31 for most of our movie. Yeah. They, the most common place you'll meet your partner is college. And once that window is missed, okay, then it becomes coworkers. You wind up dating coworkers and then, yeah, past 30. I, I've seen it. I've seen it in friends where they hit 30 and they will cry for one of two reasons. They aren't with somebody significant and there's depression or they haven't had kids yet. Now, if you don't want either of those, cool great for your life but i've run into plenty of people once 30 hits there's plenty of time but there's just a panic because your friends are usually in a different phase of life they're having kids at 30 31 they've been married for a while that marriage age has gotten moved up a little bit but it's still people mm-hmm. 31 32 having kids you have that in your life all your friends start having babies and your Facebook or whatever is just filled with babies. Uh, (laughs) It's just a constant reminder of baby talk. My life's different. And maybe you're really happy with your life being different and happy having money (laughs) as as opposed to children. But uh, I I get it. I get that age gate. And listeners, if you're 30, you're still young. Yeah. Plenty of time. Plenty plenty of time. Plenty of time. I do get the clock from... A female standpoint, only speaking as someone that's had babies in my 20s and babies in my 30s, uh, it my and it could have just been because I had had multiple pregnancies because each pregnancy gets progressively harder. But my last pregnancy, I was 33, and um, it wasn't great, so I'll say that. But they, uh, but nowadays, there's so much technology in so many ways to care for you that, I mean, there's the, the idea, anything past 35, they consider like a geriatric pregnancy. And I don't really feel like that is a thing anymore. So I'm, but it was absolutely a thing when Meg Ryan Mm -hmm. was, was young. And I think that the clock, the clock is there for Chad's point is like the the pool just kind of gets smaller, but your thirties are young. I think even like my parents who are in their sixties, like I feel like they're young. Those interview couples, some of them were their fifties and sixties when they found each other. That was very sweet. Um, yeah. hey, we didn't see each other for 27 years. And then we <laughs> ran into each other and they lied. They're like, you didn't look a day older. Like that's a lie. 27 <laughs> years. You're going to look different. I appreciate you lying old lady, but you are a, <laughs> Your pants are on fire. He looks Each good. of those big pants <laughs> is so sweet in its own way. And yes. you you almost feel like those are real couples, and I want to believe they are. They, they were real they stories. Are, right? They're real stories, but told by actors. There we go. And, and also mm-hmm. wonderfully told with, you know, you have the one where it, it's completely uh, male-dominated with him telling the story, and all she does is just kind of touch his arm. And then, you you know... An hour later, you get a different one where the two can't stop talking over each other, but it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> the way that they keep you know, finishing each other's sentences. I, I love it. Um, and it gives us a good chance for, for Reiner to end our movie with them on the couch, too. Uh, now, uh, we, we all, we, we've been through our, our Rob Reiner movies. We, I think it was just recently that we had done episode 214, The Princess Bride. 
I think a lot of people know Stand By Me and then uh, Spinal Tap. There are several others out there, uh, Bucket List, Rumor Has It. But um, I, I think his storytelling here, I really, really enjoy our performances. But I think Reiner deserves a lot of credit here, Lizzie, uh, especially with some of the tools that he uses, the split of the, the, the two or four different things on screen at the same time, the insertion of the vignettes. That's it. Maybe the only thing that uh, I would that I would take umbrance with is the uh, the addition of voiceover solely for Harry's character, like an hour and twenty minutes in. It's just mm -hmm. jarring to me. But uh, the way that this movie is put together, it actually is more than the story, isn't it? It really is. I I love that you can tell that he allowed Billy Crystal to just have fun. With this, like I have to imagine that there's a lot ad-libbed here. And I I just think that the story, the characters just like really come alive. And so much of that is to Reiner's credit that I think he he gave them an extremely long leash to take this story and really pour their own hearts and souls into it. And I think that's why we love this movie so much, is that you connect with them so much. You're not just watching a to your like Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone doing like the dirty dance lift and then they spend one night together and then they fall in love. You're like you're really watching like these two people that you really connect with and then watching them connect with each other throughout the course of the 90 minutes. So like it's just it really does take on a life of its own. And it's just it's so classic. I love it so much. He does have the humility to let talented people do talented things. Like the the orgasm scene, which we somehow haven't talked about yet. Yes. That that was just supposed to be a conversation. And Meg Ryan says, I can fake an orgasm in the middle of a restaurant. What? Yeah, it'd be <laughs> hilarious. And they go for it. And that's the scene that everyone amazing. remembers. Yes. And I'll so, have what she's having. And yes. that was a that was a Billy Crystal joke. He just said that wasn't in there in the original script. So all these things that get ad-libbed and thrown in. The final interview is completely ad-libbed. So I could tell. He's he's just yeah. like play off of each other like it's a real conversation of these characters. That's that's cool to see of just develop your own story. And it was really good to see this story that it really it almost felt 12 years in the making. Uh you I will say sometimes it surprises me to see, you know, you blink for 3 seconds and you miss a 5 years later. Yeah. Or you miss it again, or you miss it four months later. Sometimes that happens. And uh, when, when I see that, uh, I, I get a little sneer, but I couldn't, I couldn't hold it against Reiner here because I feel like this story needed its time to develop or I like, needed is the wrong word, but uh, the time that it took to develop, I really, I really liked. And uh, our, our sort of realistic atmosphere, both in uh, our, our grounded sort of conversations between these Two friends who turn into something more, who make the mistake, who, um, you know, it's hard to say that answering machines are dated because they, I mean, they clearly are. But uh, our, our entire, our, our city, New York, um, I think that the, the way I described the atmosphere was that this is bright without being hallmark and, but also drab without being gloomy. Uh, what else about the atmosphere stood out to you, Lizzie? 
I just love, usually when they have movies like this, I mean, it's the same thing with You've Got Mail and some of these other like Nora Ephron movies is that New York always tends to be kind of this background character. Mm -hmm. And a little bit of that was true, not necessarily any specific landmarks, but just like the hustle and bustle of the city that you can kind of tell is, is played into the story a little bit. But I do feel like New York just feels like the most appropriate place because how, like you said, it just has to be a part of the sweet aspect of the movie that how likely is it that these two people continue to run into each other in a city as massive as New York. And uh, maybe so that's just part of the magic. Is yes. that because it's, it's unrealistic. Exactly. Is like it's just, it makes it fate. I can play the part of Russell here. I'm going to point out some architecture because <laughs> Harry's no, apartment. Please don't stop. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Harry's apartment. It has a view of the Empire State Building, and in any other reality, that would be a beautiful, gorgeous, desirable apartment. But the way it's framed and the way it's shot, he winds up being lonely and depressed, looking mm -hmm. out over something that's amazing and beautiful. So, to your point, they're using the background of some something that should be awesome to just make you sadder about the entire movie. So that's really special. And I I do wish this were, this would be like the best Hallmark movie ever, but, <laughs> but I, I don't feel like she needs to be a corporate CEO that's moved back to her hometown of <laughs> outside suburb bumpkin, New York and runs <laughs> into her high school fling or whatever. Who's now a lumberjack. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen, I've seen a lot of these. It's been, uh -huh. it sounds like, uh, well, I, I had to bring up our time frame, which is throughout holidays. And I think Chad, you had mentioned maybe pre-show that New Year's Eve really matters here. Yes. And, and I think that several instances of, uh, different days, this, we see some movies that are, that are compacted like one week's time. So all of this time going through these several holidays. Uh, New Year's Eve is something I, I've spent several New Year's Eves alone and Billy Crystal, you know, our Harry character is talking about, yeah, what's so bad about this? I got Malamar's my favorite cookie. I'm about, I'm about to win the Knicks first championships since 1973. Um, th there are some movies that will remind you that it's okay to be alone, but I think this movie, Lizzie, I think this movie really, really pushes you to be like, well, these guys are all right alone, but gosh, isn't it better to see them together? Yeah, you you want them together. It would feel utterly dissatisfying if they did not make it. You know, there's, like you said, there's always some kind of artsy reason nowadays for the two not to get together. And it feels avant-garde and it takes it from a rom-com to a drama and all kinds of things like that. But to me, like they really belong together and you need to see them together. And it's almost like spending New Year's together. You're bringing in truly like a new year, a new chapter. So it almost feels kind of poetic as well. They'd spend the last little moments of what, like 1989 together and go into a whole new decade as, as a couple and be married three months later. I do love that immediately after she says she hates him, all the yeah. long song starts playing in the background. And he goes into a very Billy Crystal. Yes. 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 Monologue of what's the song even mean? What is it about? Old it's about friends. old friends. Yeah. So sweet. I, I'm with him. The old lang sign. It's a weird thing that we do. I actually don't like that song. I don't like old lang sign and I don't like sweet Caroline. 
And I love Neil Diamond. As a WVU fan, I hate Sweet Caroline too. Hey, all right. Uh, <laughs> two turtle doves here on, on the show. Uh, but of some songs I do like, and, and we are just absolutely blessed to have. I know a lot of people for your New Year's and your Christmas, you love your Michael Bublé. Yeah, he's modern. For nope. him, we had the pride of, of Louisiana, uh, Harry Connick Jr., couple of jazz standards uh, stomping at the Savoy. He does his, you know, let's call the whole thing off, which is if you listen to his version of the lyrics, a little, little silly, uh, his don't get around much anymore is my favorite version of it, but it's, it's hard to sing along with, but I'd say it, it had to be you, right? That's, that's what we remember about this movie. And mm-hmm. um, I would say that that, that piano has almost become a part of New York city movies now that uh and, and he he's you know he's got a, a a voice like silk but he is a, a very talented incredibly talented pianist and uh th- this entire soundtrack just really kind of puts you in that mood you could almost call this like oh we re- we watch when harry met sally at christmas time or at new year's time yeah 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 it's, okay. it's it's fair we've got winter wonderland you're miss you're one santa short of making it a christmas movie that's right uh, it is available to download the entire thing, and they're they're essentially all hits. Uh, so go ahead and take time to do that while we prepare for our superlatives. Are you two ready? Yes. Ready? Okay. Well, Chad, I'm going to start with you. Who is your MVP of When Harry Met Sally? I went with Billy Crystal. He, he gets to be a meaner version of himself, but that kind of manic energy he brings really it keeps me from hating this character and i feel like he walks that line where i very well could hate this character if it were someone other than billy crystal yes i can see that he could be a grading type of character for as long as he's as we're focused on him lizzie who's your mvp i went with nora efron i think that i love her writing i love her stories i would say nine times out of ten if she's written it i'm gonna love it and, and this is no exception. That's who Sally is based on, too. Like, she does mm-hmm. the specific ordering. And so that's Rod Reiner <laughs> making fun of her. Oh, that's it's, so funny. It's literally her line of, I, I want what I want. And so he took that and just said, okay. here you go, Sally. Yeah, and, and how, how great was it that the cake is a, I want it how I want it, a special order. Yes, cake yes. coconut cake with the... With the chocolate with the icing on the side, it's very, and he he's now taking up the cause. Right? It's very important to not have that on top because it's going to. Yes. Uh, my MVP is also Billy Crystal uh, for his performance, but also because I knew how much input he had on the screenplay and the dialogue, and you can tell. And mm-hmm. it's it's a movie like this that really lets him shine. It's cameos that let him shine, and I think there's times that Billy Crystal esque characters can be. Uh, I mean, Lizzie, we know how much you love Robin Williams. Uh, mm-hmm. Billy Crystal and Robin are very similar in how quickly they can rapid fire stuff. And yes. it's a joy. It's a delight when you get it. And I think this movie really benefits from having him as our Harry. Uh, although uh, I'm not quite sold on young Harry being young, right out of college, Harry. Yes. Right out of college, Billy Crystal. Hey, they did a pretty good job. Honestly. He's 40 years old. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I loved his uh, bell bottom jeans. Who's your best supporting actor, Chad? I'm going to be really boring and say Meg Ryan. I, I, I'm i not a fan of hers at all, but this is by far her best role, and I feel like she knocks it out of the park. I All the other Meg Ryan movies, I was I recasted her in Sleepless in Seattle. She can get out. Yeah, Lizzie, keep <laughs> oh making my, that face. Oh, 
my gosh. Our mouths are agape I've over here. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> yes, as, as, as intended. Uh, who was your best supporting actor, Lizzie? Well, I'm glad I wrote her down. Someone's got to defend Meg Ryan. I put, uh, I love her so much. I, I really love Billy Crystal so, so much. And for all of the reasons that you all mentioned, but I, I really think that Meg Ryan brings so much charm to the character. I think in the same way that you described Harry, I think Sally could equally be very irritating and almost insufferable, but because she's so charming and sweet and kind of humble and also a little awkward, like it's just Meg Ryan just brings so much charm to her and I, I adore her. I agree. She can stay in this movie. Yeah, I like her here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, I, I gotta say, maybe I'm approaching this movie different, and we can't dive too deep. But I, I really look at this as their story, not his story, uh, which is why I immediately disqualified her from being best supporting, because uh, I thought she did a great job. My best supporting is Bruno Kirby, so our Jess. Mm. Uh, I, I thought he's he doesn't have that much, but then again, we don't have that much from our supporting uh, cast anyway. Uh, but I, I thought his his character of sort of maybe not understanding that you can have this friendship. He is representing the, Oh no, my guys can't think this way. Um, but he's also quick and he's funny in his own right. Uh, so, uh, for, mainly for the writing, his dialogue is very good. I support him on his wagon wheel table. <laughs> hate that table. I hate uh, that table. <laughs> and I love that he was carrying it out. Don't say anything. Right? Yes. Chad, what's your hidden gem for when Harry met Sally? The lady that says I'll have what she's having is Rob <laughs> Reiner's mother. Wow. Ah! <laughs> I love that. That is truly a hidden gem. Yeah, that's that's great. And and what a long lasting line, uh, you know, etched in time. It's right. a hidden gem, Lizzie. Mine is the pecan pie scene where <laughs> nice. Billy Crystal is like doing this like I don't even know how to like do it. Like doing this weird thing that all of that was probably was ad-libbed, but there's this one, at least I, this is the lore that I read and that there's a scene when he's asking her to repeat it back where she looks over to the side and apparently she's looking over at the director who's telling her like, okay, this is fine. You can go ahead and do this. But I just makes that scene all the sillier that Meg Ryan also was like, what am I doing right now? Pepper. Pepper. <laughs> Pepper. Yeah, that was that was really fun. And I love that they just like go to a museum together, you know, like, hey, yeah. we're just having a great yeah. time having a walk. Uh, my hidden gem. Uh, and it's it's a dual layered here. He says on the car ride from Chicago, New York. Yeah, well, you know, I think about death so much. You know, I, I always read the last page of a book because <laughs> I don't if I if I end up <laughs> if I end up dying. I want to know how it ends. He's holding a book twice in the movie. Mm hmm. And both times it shows you that he starts on the first page and then he goes to the very last page and reads it on screen both yeah. times. Oh, that's cool. One of them is Misery, by the way, which Rob Reiner goes on to cover. The very next oh. year. That's right. Uh, so it's, uh, and then he gets called while he's holding the second book and she asks what he's doing. He goes, I'm just finishing a book. Yes. <laughs> that was so, so clever. Uh, all right. We got to recast somebody, Chad. Who are you recasting? You know what? I can't believe I'm going to recast Carrie Fisher, but I, mm. I'm going to recast Carrie Fisher. Like she doesn't do much with this part, and I look at her and Kirby, and I'm like, eh, mm -hmm. this is this is not working for me. So I'm putting Lily Tomlin in this role. Okay. I feel like she, she'd improv a little more and be funnier. 
that is a good choice. I tried to find choices to replace her, and that Lily Tomlin is very smart. Uh, what is what is your recast, Lizzie? I wanted to recast Joe. I actually had a hard time thinking about who I would recast because, to your point, you, you know, this really is a Harry and Sally movie, and all the other characters are truly secondary. But I recasted Joe. And I put Dennis Quaid in because I'm pretty sure that they were dating at the okay. time. Matt Ryan and Dennis Quaid. I thought that would be kind of a cute little Easter egg. They have a son together, Jack, who's in the new Scream franchise that I love. Yeah. Yeah. Jack Quaid. Funny guy, too. Um, yeah. Outside of, outside of his acting roles. Uh, I am also replacing Carrie Fisher. I've seen her be funny in uh, 30 Rock. I've seen her be funny. But mm -hmm. um, the, there's I didn't really get it. And I was trying to figure out who it could be. And I ended up going with, she would have been 28 years old. Might have worked, might not have. Uh, Nia Vardolos, uh, who we know from our big fat Greek wedding. Uh, Ooh, okay. I thought she could, I was looking for who's funny. And I was like, Jan Hooks? Well, maybe. Um, but there, I couldn't figure it out. But that's my best shot at it. Um, and I think what we just kind of, me and Chad narrowed it down to is like, Carrie Fisher, yes. But not here. Right. Yeah. All right, yeah, what is your best it. shot of the movie, Chad? You've brought it up so many times. The four-way phone call, it, it's across three different sets. It took 61 tries to wow. get it right. Because if one of the actors messed up, you can't cover it up. It's one shot. And the hanging up simultaneously, that took 54 tries alone. So wow. the, the work that went into that scene, it's just, it's so great. And a great choice. Lizzie, what is your best shot? Wow. Chad, you mentioned it earlier, but I put the New York City apartment scene when they're rolling out the carpet. I just thought that the shot is just so beautiful. And then they're, you know, they're talking about such big topics while they're doing something so small as trying yeah. to figure out where to put the carpet. Yeah. But um but I, I love that scene, but the shot itself is so beautiful with those gigantic tall windows and it's just, just oh, really gosh. beautiful. Yeah, there's so many things that are like like so so slice of life. They're, they're very much like, oh, while you're doing something else, you're just chatting. I love how much time they spend in the sharper image and then they walk over to the apartment with a plant. Clearly yes. not a spot from sharper image. Right. Uh, yeah, so much of this is real. Uh, for me, it is the split shot, but when it's just the two of them watching uh, Casablanca together or mm -hmm. watching TV together. And I, I thought that the way it's shot is like they're sitting right next to one another. Yeah. And sometimes that closeness just, you know, having your arm around your best gal or however you want to put it, that you feel like you're getting that from these, at this point in the movie, just friends. And they're, they're, they're talking on the phone. Um, I have fallen asleep over Skype with a long distance girlfriend. Like oh, wow. I've done that. Like this is the last thing I want to do. Um, and, you know, you get the jokes on top of it too, but the shot of them together, kind of squeezing them together, though we know they're not in the same apartment. Uh, I thought it was very well done. Chad, what's your best scene? I like the initial car ride with Harry and Sally. I think it really just, it sets the tone. And I'll be honest, I'm stunned Sally just didn't jump out of the vehicle when he's spitting the cherry pits constantly. <laughs> and just, it's a 17-hour car ride with this man who's just like, I think about death often. We can't be friends. You know, I find you very attractive. Like He's just so all over the place. I would just open my driver's side door and just right into traffic. <laughs> <laughs> and cool, like hood, like, like the, the, the shot itself for those scenes is like coming like straight forward. 
pretty good there. Lizzie, what's your best scene? I have the exact same thing. That's my favorite part of the entire movie is that drive. You know, you have the, like you said, the philosophy is dropped, but I, Harry does something that is kind of close to the thing that irritates me the most in a person is like, I cannot stand it when someone will whisper something under their breath and then you ask them like, wait, what? And they go, what? Like that, I, (laughs) I cannot stand that. It literally grinds my gears. I cannot say. And he does something kind of close where he'll ask her a question. She's like, I'm not answering that. And he's like, yeah, I don't want to know. I don't oh, want to know. Oh, and like, that's then, so good though. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I don't, don't tell me. Don't tell. I don't care. I don't care. And like, I get why that's irritating because she's like, well, if you must know, <laughs> she follows on. Oh, it's irritating because oh, it would work with you. It, yes, yes. It's irritating because it's so yeah. manipulative and it would absolutely work like 100% with me. And uh, I, I, you find, I find myself getting irritated with him in that exact same way. And the whole, it's just, it's so great. Like the the whole debate between whether or not she should have gone with, you know, she stayed in Casablanca or gone and he's like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. Obviously you haven't had great sex yet. And like, just like the whole dialogue is just unbelievable. With who? Sheldon? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, what's, what's really cute about that too is later when they're friends, when they're more adult, five years later, or maybe even 10 years later, when they're walking through the park, he does the same thing, but it's no longer trying to get a rise out of her, really. It's just become part of the way they talk to one another. Yes. And I think that's really endearing. Uh, My best scene is when Harry comes over uh, after Sally learns that Joe's getting married. Uh, She has uh, a great cry, a a great emotional cry of, of trying to get words out. He's trying to make her laugh. We do get some of our our best back and forth in that in that section. Um, <clears throat> it's not really about how it ends with them doing the deed. It's about how he it, the way that he's trying to be there. Oh, come on, I'll just go make some tea. Will you hold me a little longer? Like that's yeah. this is all very real. Um, and, and you can believe him when he said, "I didn't come over to yeah to have sex with you, and she, I didn't call you over to have sex with you. It just kind of happened." Um, and, but so that, that emotional vulnerability scene, I think is, is perfect. Uh, all right, let's go your best wardrobe or your best makeup moment, Chad. I really like Harry's sweaters. It's just this mm. very cozy look and I'm sort of jealous of his sweater game. <laughs> I have asked people to find me fisherman sweaters, uh, because I can't find them on my own. Like I need someone in fashion to find me something like that uh, right. in my job. I need those. Lizzie, what's your best wardrobe or makeup moment? Meg Ryan's hair. It's perfect. Like, it's always different. You know, and when they first meet, it's like that Farrah Fawcett quaff. And then it's my favorite when they first become friends where like it's kind of curly and wild and wavy. And then when they finally get together, it's like tight curls. And her hair is just amazing in every scene. I love it so much. Way better than Helen's hair. Yes. And then I I love the way her hair bounces when they're carrying the tree together. Yes. I love it so much. Even it does the same way when they, she sings, but she's like, the upholstery is real leather. And like, (laughs) as she's singing, it's like kind of, it's, it's just so sweet. I I love her hair. It has so much personality. It seemed very genuine. 
for me, it was it was difficult not to go with uh, some of some of Harry's choices, like casual choices. Uh, so I went with his speed walking clothes instead, uh, because they really are like jazzercise walking, or you know, they are both of them are like in the gear of '89. Yeah, yeah. and and they're swinging their hips the way yeah. I, I the love walk. that. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite thing. All right, Chad, what are you changing about this movie? One thing. As iconic as the line is, I think I'd really rather not have the I'll have what she's having line. I don't want that joke. I kind of want him, Rob Reiner, to go back to the this is Spinal Tap and let an incredible scene breathe and just have the patrons maybe stare in disbelief and then slowly go back to their meals. Like that's yeah, the type of Maybe humor. have an old timer chuckle or something, but without the line. Yeah, the the dude in green is actually laughing while she's making <laughs> the orgasm because I was wondering, I went back and watched it. It was like, how is nobody reacting to this? He is. <laughs> but yeah, I want this is Spinal Tap of that deadpan humor instead of just that, I don't need it spelled out for me. This is funny. How lucky are we that Rob Reiner did this and not Gary Marshall? Oh man, you have a vendetta against Gary Marshall, but yes, this- That's not this true. Was, <laughs> okay it's true yes. i love him the the sitcom jokes that you just you're like oh gary you did it again he, he wouldn't have let us escape any of those scenes rob right. allowed us to move through them all uh without some fair. punchline must be tied to everything i'm not holding a grudge lizzie what is your <laughs> change one thing about this movie I wanted Sally to own her feelings a little bit more. I think that, you know, she tells Harry that she's not her, his consolation prize. And I do appreciate that. But I think that I would have loved to see her have a little bit of gall to be like, if you won't take that, I'm going to stop waiting for you to take the first step and I'm, I'm going to do it myself. And, um, but you can tell like, even when he comes to, to the party to declare his love for her. The first thing that she says is she tries to, that wall is there. Like she's really trying still, like she's very afraid and that fear really keeps her from leaning in. And it's really not until he gives like that sweet speech and finally like admits everything and goes there that she lets it down. So I, I would have liked to see her take a little bit more agency over her feelings. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I dig that. Uh, mine is <clears throat> something. I want to change one thing about American cinema in general. How? We need more funny lead actors, female actors, that are not quirky or goofy. Mm -hmm. Meg Ryan nails this. Comedic without being some trope. Uh, mm -hmm. That is what I, I think we've gone away from it. We have pratfalls or we have licentious speech we don't have just someone that's funny and uh you know listeners might say well what are you about these options well i i think that there's a, a subtlety to to this humor that maybe we just don't get as much anymore uh so i'd I love us for to use this as an example more it's my change one thing chat <laughs> chock full of quotes what's your best quote for when harry met sally you alluded to it earlier, but when I get a new book, I read the last page first. That way, if I die before I finish, I know how it comes out. That, my friend, is a dark side. <laughs> that is equivalent 
to eating the cream of an Oreo, putting it back together and back in the package. That is the kind of <laughs> level of monster <laughs> Harry is. Like, right. Red flag. Milk's favorite cookie. Good quote. Lizzie, what is your best quote? Oh, I love when he goes in on New Year's Eve and he goes, okay, I've been doing a lot of thinking. And the thing is, I love you. <laughs> I just find that so funny. That is good. It's just like so casual where he's like, he doesn't quite know how to say it. So he just spits it out in like this super unassuming way. Like I've been doing a lot of thinking. And the thing is, I love you. Yes. Uh, it was hard for me not to go with during one of the vignettes. When he's talking, when one of the guys is talking about like they hadn't met or seen each other for so long, and then they meet in an elevator, and she goes, "He rode up nine extra floors to see me," and, yeah. and he just goes, nine extra floors." Uh, th that's something that I could see like a loving couple saying to one another. Yeah, uh, but I am going to go with as, as my number one. I'm going to go with during their fight at uh, Jess and Marie's wedding. Um, they're arguing about the mistake, right? And he's, mm -hmm. I'm not saying it didn't mean anything. I'm saying, why does it have to mean everything? Yeah, because it does. Right? <laughs> well, I think maybe that's a, maybe that's a lesson uh, for all of our listeners and all of our. Yeah. Uh, so it's time for us to rate 1989's when Harry met Sally. Uh, we do half star intervals here. 0.5 being the lowest, five being the highest. Chad, we'll start with you. What do you rate this movie? I went with a four and a half. I think mm. it's a great romantic comedy. I think it's one of the best ever made. It is consistently funny. The only reason it's a half star for me is I don't fully buy into Harry's argument. I'm a little bit of an old soul when it comes to dating and courtship and relationships with women. So how he's presenting it is a bit off-putting to me, but that's because I'm an alien. I am... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, hey, that's a, that's a generous score. That's a good score for when Harry met Sally. Lizzie, what are you rating this movie? I'm going to give it a five. I feel like as far as rom-coms, it's virtually perfect. And I can't rewatch it enough. I love it so much. A high praise. We throw that P word around sometimes. Uh, perfect. And this mm -hmm. movie will make you feel, and this movie will make you buy into even the vignettes where you can't help but smile at yeah. these old couples. And then you have this really long, slow burn and it makes you smile. I think it made me smile. I, I, I've thought about it. I actually counted how many times that I was watching the movie being like, wow, that was heartfelt or that joke really landed, but it was actually sweet 30 times in this movie. Wow. That's a high mark. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I got to tell you, listeners, I got to warn you, this is Dustin's view, not the official opinion of Retro Movie Roundtable. Uh, whoever said it's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all was lying. Yes. Uh, my my, my co-hosts are both married here. I'm the only single one on the show. So if you're watching this while you're lonely or vulnerable, it's the surest five-star rating you could give. Uh, you just have to be ready to move on and let things take time that need to take time, like this movie does. And the time that it takes is absolutely worth the payoff. So not only is it a five-star, but it's about my highest recommendation I can give. But oh, that's no. I, I, ruined I ruined the five-star sweep. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't ruin anything, Chad. Well, uh, we have talked a little bit about When Harry Met Sally, but we got to select a movie for next time. Can someone help me? Dustin, I feel like you should be introducing this as our native Texan, but I will say Wagons West. That's what Russell wrote. Apparently, that's what <laughs> cowboys are going to say. Not Yeehaw, not Hi-Ho Silver. Wagons West. 
We venture into the wild, wild west with this set of movies. Option one, Once Upon a Time in the West from 1968. A mysterious stranger with harmon- with a harmonica joins forces with a notorious desperado to protect a beautiful widow from a ruthless assassin working for the railroad. Option two, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre from 1948. Two down-on-their-luck Americans searching for work in 1920s Mexico convince an old prospector to help them mine for gold in the Sierra Madre Mountains. Option three, she wore a yellow ribbon from 1949. A lot of old movies here. Captain Nathan Brittles, on the eve of retirement, takes out a last patrol to stop an impending massive Indian attack. Encumbered by women who must be evacuated, Brittles finds his mission imperiled. Destin, what are we watching for next week? Ah, some rootin' tootin' wranglers. I guess we'll 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 go back to the forties and select the treasure of the Sierra Madre. Great options. I want to thank both of you guys on Valentine's here to come and share a little love, to share a little bit about ourselves with our our listeners. Um, And I want to thank all the lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. We invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and review to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at movie underscore retro. Email us at RetroMovieRoundtable at Yahoo.com. Producing and providing this podcast is fun, but not free. We invite you to support the show at our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash RetroMovieRoundtable. Any contribution is much appreciated and will go towards making the show better for you, our lovable listeners. As always, thank you for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. Lizzie? One thing about this form of communication is that you're more likely to talk about nothing than something. But I just want to say that all this nothing has meant more to me than so many somethings.